Psalm 136. So when you look at Psalm 135, it's, it's marked with praise the Lord. It's marked with bless the Lord. And then you move right into Psalm 136, and Psalm 136 begins with give thanks. It says give thanks three different times in the first three verses. So we look at things in repetition. Repetition indicates to us what the author is about. So if you've got give thanks three different times in the first three verses, and then it's also in the last verse, you might think, oh, well, this whole psalm is about giving thanks until you read it. And when you read it, you recognize there's a refrain at the end of every single one of these sections. So this to be sung, or perhaps as a responsive reading, or however it was used in that time, it reminds us that his steadfast love endures forever. So in this season, coming off of Thanksgiving, going into Christmas, what better things for us to do than to take time to pause and to give thanks and to recognize that God's steadfast love endures forever. Psalm 136 has been called the great Hallel or the great praise song because it does tell us to give thanks repeatedly. It's noted with these exact words for his steadfast love endures forever in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 when the dedication of the temple by Solomon at the rebuilding of the temple as well by Zerubbabel in Ezra 3.11. And so perhaps Psalm 136 was well known all throughout Israel's history as they repeated this refrain, his steadfast love endures forever. Every single time after the 26 verses. So if it's every single verse, Every single time, after all 26 verses, what do you think the main idea of our text is? The steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So now to elaborate on that a little bit, here's what we're gonna see. We're gonna see that at the beginning of this, there is a call to thankfulness. But then we're gonna see that there is a cause for thankfulness. And that's gonna go take us from verse four to verse 25. That's the big chunk of what we're gonna look at. And when you look at that, there are different reasons that we are to be thankful. We are to be thankful because God and his steadfast love, God didn't create us because God was lonely and needed people to hang out with. God wasn't alone on a Friday night sitting in his dorm room wondering where everybody was. God created all of this as an overflow of his love and because his steadfast love endures forever. And we see that all throughout the work of creation, and then we're gonna see it in the text noted throughout the work of redemption that God took a people that were in slavery and brought them out by his strong hand through the Red Sea, incredible miracles that have taken place. And then he takes them through the wilderness to let us all know that he sustains us as well and that he guides us and that he can conquer all of our enemies. And then there's a section here at the very end that I'm not exactly sure what the note, uh, what the time was for this in 23 through 25. Some have said that it, it may have been a specific instance. Some have said it may have been the exile. So I, I've titled it as deliverance. God is still there for us. And then it comes back to the end and the conclusion is be thankful. So here's your outline. You wanna take notes? You wanna follow the outline? The outline begins with a call to thankfulness and then the cause for thankfulness and then a conclusion. The conclusion is be thankful. We need to read this text, all 26 verses, and we're gonna read it in a little bit of a different way this morning. The way we're gonna read this is I'm gonna read the first part and then you're gonna respond for his steadfast love endures forever. So everybody stand up in honor of the reading of God's word. 
your part's not hard, but if you got your Bibles open, just in case you forget there, it's, so let's give this a try right quick. Let's just do verse one to start with. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. All right, you're gonna say that 26 times. Don't go low on me. Because this is one way that we are offering praise and worship to a worthy, holy, and righteous God. This was written in the text to drill it deep into our hearts and our minds. So if anything, we should get louder the more we're reminded of how worthy our God is. Verse one again, and here we go all the way through. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. Give thanks to the God of gods. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. To him who alone does great wonders. To him who by understanding made the heavens. To him who spread out the earth above the waters. To him who made the great lights. The sun to rule over the day. The moon and the stars to rule over the night. To him who struck down the firstborn of Egypt. And brought Israel out from among them. With a strong hand and an outstretched arm. To him who divided the Red Sea in two. And made Israel pass through the midst of it. Oh, but he overthrew Pharaoh and his host in the Red Sea. To him who led his people through the wilderness. To him who struck down the great kings. And killed mighty kings. Sihon, the king of the Amorites. And Og, the king of Bashan. And gave their land as a heritage. A heritage to Israel, his servant. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. And rescued us from our foes. He who gives food to all flesh. Give thanks to the God of heaven. Oh God, your love does endure forever and we thank you for it because we know we are not worthy. Lord, today may you help me to proclaim the truth of your text. Will you help us all to drive this root deep in our hearts that you are a loving, good God. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And you may be seated. All right, let's walk through the text here. Point number one is the call to thankfulness. Give thanks. Who do we give thanks to? The Lord, for he is good. Good. 
What is good? How do we know that there is a good? Friends, without God, we don't even know what defines good. Without a universal truth, everybody could pick and choose whatever they may think is good, and we could argue and debate about what is good, but God is the one who is truly good, and he is the one who has said, this is good and this is bad. This is right and this is wrong. This is good and this is evil. And so, friends, we give thanks to the one to the one who established what good is, who defines good, whose works are good, whose thoughts are good, whose intentions are good, and whom there is no evil, and whom there is no wrong, that's the one that we give thanks to. That's the one whose steadfast love endures forever. Aren't you glad that God is a God that cannot change, that he is a God that is good? And even in our hard times and even in our trials and even in the days we don't feel like it, he's still a good God. Do you really believe he's good? Because if we really believe that God was good, then we would really have more of an ambition to follow what God has told us is good. If we really believe that God wanted to give us good gifts, then we would have more of a reason to be steadfast in choosing what he says is good and right and denying the things that he says is not. But far too often in our life, we think we know better. And so we choose things that God says, don't do this. This is not good for you. And yet in our minds, we say, I want it. I wanna go do this. And so we love our sin more than we love God. And in fact, what we're saying is, God, right now, I don't believe you're good. I believe this is good over and over and over throughout the Bible. Rebellious men and women, just like me, just like the children of Israel. Doubt that God is good. And friends, we start this off by giving thanks to the Lord because he is good. And if we can get it through our minds and if we can sink it in our hearts and if we can recognize that God is truly good, that God does truly want what's best for us. He knows how to have humanity flourish in this life and in the next. And if we believe that, there's a new determination to pursue the things of God. Give thanks to the God of gods. There is only one. There is no other. There are religions out there that worship the things that our God created. There are people out there that worship the creation rather than the creator. And friends, we're to give thanks to the God of all gods, the supreme deity, the ultimate one. Give thanks to the Lord of all lords for his steadfast love endures forever. There is a call to be thankful in our heart that he is God and that we are not and that we serve a good God, not a God that wants to squash us, but we serve a God that is so good that when we rebelled against him and pushed against him, he didn't just kill us, he didn't just punish us, he didn't give us what was right. He sent his son and his grace and his mercy to die on a cross and that's why there's the refrain for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, friends, it goes on. There is cause to give praise to this God, to him who alone does great wonders. There is no one like God. There is no one else. You can look and you will not find. There is but one. It says to him who by understanding made the heavens. Some of you are smarter than I am. You have dug into the depths 
of understanding different aspects of the stars that are in the heavens, of the plants, of the animals. You study the details of everything that God has created and you recognize that we are still scratching the surface of creation. We don't understand even our own DNA. We don't understand what makes us up. We don't understand how everything works that is supposed to work. And here there's a God who by understanding, he knew it and he knew it and he made the heavens. And when he made the heavens, the text tells us that he actually took the earth and spread it out above the waters. And the image that it's giving here is of somebody who beats metal out or you spread something out and it's saying that God just pulled the earth up and spread the earth out up over the waters. Any of you do that lately? Anybody here create something out of nothing lately? No. Because there is a God that is infinitely more powerful than we could ever think or imagine who can speak, but he doesn't even have to speak. He could have done it a different way, but it's through his understanding, it's through the word that he speaks and all of a sudden the earth pops up out over the water. We can't even keep the water from popping back out over the earth when storms come. We have floods that take place and we try to keep them out and to our best efforts, we can't stop the wind and we can't stop the waves, but there is one. There is one who was in, when he was in the boat, looked out on it and he said, peace be still. And it stopped. And friends, that's the one that we're to give thanks for because that's the one whose steadfast love endures forever. It's to him who made the great lights. Oh, and when you get away from all the lights we have on campus to keep you safe, you can see them out here in the country. You can see those stars shining brightly. You know that he made the sun to rule over the day. He made the sun. We don't worship the sun. He made the moon and the stars. We don't worship the moon and the stars. They rule over the night. God didn't leave us without a witness. There's a sun that rules the day, but unless you think the sun goes away and there's nothing there, when that sun goes away, there's a light show that takes place in the heavens with all of the stars. The consistency of all of these stars, the depth of all of these galaxies, we're still trying to launch telescopes into space so that we can find out what's beyond the things that we don't even know are there or get a better glimpse of what's taking place. This is the God that we're talking about, the God that spoke it all into existence and there it was. And that God, the God that does all of this, the God we can't relate to because we can't do any of that, the sovereign God over all of the universe, it's that God that in this text we repeat over and over and over and over, his steadfast love endures forever. You have a sovereign God who is transcendent and we can't relate to him, but he's also a God who is eminent, who loves us and cares about every detail of our life. The God that you have repented of your sins and put your faith in, the God that you pray to, the God that you read the Bible of, the God that where all of your hope, all of your trust lies is a God that controls it all. He can do anything he wants to do, friends, but he loves us. Why does he love us? I know you. Some of you are unlovable. I mean that in the best possible way. You're just like me. Your hearts are sinful and you're fickle. And you do dumb stuff sometimes. We do dumb stuff a lot of the times, don't we? 
And yet there's a God who still loves us. Creation. But there's not just a God who created it all. There's a God who called out a people. You, you know the story of the Old Testament, that, the whole story of the Old Testament. Playing forward, Abraham, there's a promise that's made to him. Joseph goes into being sold into slavery and then he's in the prison and he's back and forth. And you're like, okay, what's going on with this story? What's it all about? And then there's 400 years and there's a rise of Pharaoh who knows not Joseph and the Israelites and they're all sitting there. And then he calls Moses and Moses says, but God, I can't talk. And God's like, I made your tongue. You can talk. I know what you can do. Get up and go. Quit whining. Get up. Man up, go. Can Aaron go with me? Well, yeah, Aaron's gonna make a golden calf while you're up on the hill. This is a really bad idea, Moses, but sure, he can go with you. We'll just, yeah, y'all are gonna be rebellious the whole time. And here we go, and there's the children of Israel, and they're sitting there, and God already knows all this. And look at what it says. It says he struck down the firstborn of Egypt. Okay, time out. Our refrain was the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And our society has defined love as something that accepts everything. But in this refrain, he strikes down the enemies of God. So there is a combination of justice and righteousness and holiness that is combined with God's mercy and his grace and his love that we can't forget about, friends. When we repent of our sin and put our faith and trust in Christ, we're adopted as the king and Jesus has paid our price and we experience the love of God. But to those who reject God, friends, to those of you that may be in this room and you may be here for the wrong reason or you may be here because mom and dad said you have to be here and you don't believe this and you don't buy into this stuff. The enemies of God are squashed. The enemies of God are destroyed. The enemies of God are in exile away from a holy, righteous God. God. The enemies of God get what they've always wanted, separation from God. Oh, but when you get it, friends, you won't want it. So to those of you that may be resisting, I say with every ounce of my being, come to Jesus. Covered under the blood, under the grace and mercy of a holy and righteous God, not under his wrath, but his wrath is real and it's here. He struck down the firstborn in Egypt. You think Pharaoh woke up that morning and thought that there was a God that was loving? No. He brought Israel out from among them. Okay, he didn't just bring them out. God did this in such a way. You remember. All right, throw down your staff. It's gonna become a snake. You're gonna turn the water into blood so they can't drink it. You're gonna bring flies and locusts and we're gonna do hell. And we're gonna have lightning too, just for the fun of it because that's just the background. And then we're gonna get to the point where we actually take the firstborn from anybody that doesn't have the blood of the lamb over there. The blood of the lamb, we're safe. Without the blood of the lamb, then the firstborn is gonna die. God brought out the slaves of Egypt in such a way that the Egyptians gave them cows and they gave them gold and they gave them silver and they were just saying to them, get out, we don't care, take it all, just go, we don't want anything else, just get out of here and go. That's how great God is and it wasn't by military might and he brought them out. This is the God that rescued and redeemed Israel. Israel in slavery, the Passover lamb that foreshadows the coming savior Jesus who on the other side of the river, John the Baptist proclaims the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The blood that now covers us so that we don't have to stand under the wrath and condemnation of Jesus. This whole Old Testament, this whole reminder here of Israel is saying to Israel, remember the God who? Who? 
Remember the God that did this. Remember the miracles of the wonders of the one true God above all gods and lords above all lords. That's the one. His steadfast love endures forever. He brought them out. It says he brought them out with a strong hand. Well, that's an understatement. And an outstretched arm. Friends, this is not a stiff arm in football, right? This is an outstretched arm that destroyed the most powerful nation of the day. He brought them out and he didn't take them the normal way. He took them to the Red Sea. Why did he take them to the Red Sea? Just so he could show what he could do. Just so he could give them a glimpse of the power of Almighty God so that their faith might be deepened so they would trust him because he's that powerful. And he knew that they needed more faith. So he brings them to the Red Sea and just to prove they needed more faith, they look at Moses and say, Moses, why don't you bring us out here? Did you bring us out here just to kill us? Because there's not enough graves in Egypt. We'd be better off if we'd stayed there. And Moses said, hold on, wait a second. I'm about to do a mic drop on all y'all. And he raised that staff and the sea parted. And then they walked across on dry ground. I don't know what the bigger miracle is. Parting the sea or drying the ground that quickly. That's what he says. He divided it in two. It's just like God just took his hand and went down here like we're slicing the cake and he goes, yep, right here. Well, you move that way, you move that way. Good to go. And then look what happened. Pharaoh and his army said, oh, we're gonna go after that too. But they weren't part of Jesus's Chosen people. Nope. Friends, there's a justice and a wrath that comes if you're not under the love of God. But if you're under that love of God, the steadfast love of God that endures, this is the love of God that led his people through the wilderness. He led them through hard times on purpose. God, why is it so hard to get a degree? Why is it so hard to live the Christian life? Why is it so hard to walk through discipleship? God led the children of Israel through the wilderness, through some hard times so that he would learn to trust that he could provide the manna from heaven, that he could provide the water out of the rock. It was the Lord that provided all of this. Friends, there is absolutely no reason they should have still been alive. You take that many people and you lead them into a desert. That's just not smart. And then where are you gonna provide water and food for all of these people? And God said, I'll show you because then he's gonna make water come out of rocks. Anybody do that lately? We're hungry. Well, I'll make manna with the dew. Anybody do that lately? We want meat. You always want what you can't have. Yeah, that's it. This is the sinful, stiff-necked, stubborn people just like me. Okay, well, I will cause a wind and we'll make a bunch of birds fall on the ground where they can't fly and you can pick them up if you wanna pick them up and you can have just enough for that day except two days on, on, before the Sabbath. But that's, that's all you get because you have to learn to trust me every single day. And friends, what this text is reminding us is that every single day, the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. So when you wake up in the morning and it's a really good day, the steadfast love of the Lord is there. When you wake up in the morning and it is a really bad day, the steadfast love of the Lord is there. When you wake up in the morning and it's been a really, really bad semester, the steadfast love of the Lord is still there. Flee, press in, go to the steadfast love of the Lord for it is there.
Oh, but this God is a mighty powerful God. Make no mistake about it. Look at what it says. To him who struck down great kings. It wasn't Israel. It wasn't their might. It wasn't that they were strong. It wasn't that they had built up endurance because they had traveled through the wilderness and that's how they ended up having this great army to overcome things. It's that God said, I'm gonna take care of these people for you. And so there's a conquest that we give, they give praise to God for. To him who struck down the great kings and he killed the mighty kings. Sihon, the king of the Amorites, Og, the king of Bashan. And then he took the land and he gave it as a heritage. Well, is that right? It's absolutely right because he created the land. He owned the land. The land was his. He could let any kingdom have it that he wants to have it and he can give it to anybody else he wants to give it to. He took it away from some and he gave it to the children of Israel and it's their inheritance. And this should tell us that there is a God that is greater than any country in the known world. We think we have power. We think we have might. We see a movie like Top Gun and all of those jets are awesome and we love it and we gets us all excited because the speed that takes place there and even though the movie probably makes absolutely no sense we still love it because it's an awesome awesome display of power and force we see things like an atomic bomb happen and we go oh my word the power that's there and friends i just want to say to you that there is no nation on this earth that can come close to inflicting a wound on the god that we serve We don't have to fear America. We don't have to fear Russia. We don't have to fear Iran. We don't have to fear China. We don't have to fear any power that this world can develop because even the powers of this world are controlled in the streams of the hand of our God. Our God is the one that took the most powerful king of the world in Babylon and made him eat grass and then raised him back up. I don't know how you do that. What's your political campaign at that point? I ate grass. I'm one of the people and cows. I will lead us all to make grass greater again. I don't know what the campaign (laughs) thing was. And, And God controls it. So here's the deal. Don't worry about it. Do your right as a citizen. But don't put your faith in any country or any political party or anything else because, friends, they will fail you. There's a God that's more powerful than all of that. And then look at the deliverance. It gets personal here in verse 23. It is he who remembered us in our low estate. When is this? I don't know. Is this judges in the cycle? Is this the exile? I don't know. It doesn't tell us. But it tells us this much, that when they were singing about the steadfast love of the Lord, and they were singing about the God that brought the earth out and put it over the water, and they were singing about the God that hung the sun in place and said, here you stay, and you're going to do this consistently until I tell you to stop. The one who hung the stars and the moon, it's that God who remembered us. Friends, Israel's not the only ones that were in slavery. All of us, too, in slavery to our own sin with no hope of rescue. But there was a God that remembered us. He remembered us, and he sent his son. The God of the universe stepped out of heaven and came to earth as a baby. Are you kidding me? He came to this earth, and he lived a life where people spit on him and cursed at him and disrespected him and didn't believe him and he healed all of the people. He healed lame people. He healed blind people. He raised dead people. Like, what do you have to do? And they didn't believe him. 
And they said, okay, we're gonna, we're gonna hang him on a cross. I'm reading my quiet time this morning at the end of Matthew. And after they hung him on a cross, Joseph comes and gets him, puts him in the tomb, rolls it up. They go and they say to Pilate, they say, hey, by the way, he said he was gonna get up three days later. That's what he's been saying. So we need, we need some help here. Get the guards and go secure it. They seal the stone. They put the guards. It says they secured it to the best of their ability. And God said the best of your ability means absolutely nothing to me. I don't need the stone rolled away. I don't need anything. Jesus is alive. We'll roll that stone away so that you can see. I'll send down one of my angels and it'll make all your soldiers quake like they're dead men. Friends, this is the God who remembered us. So in this season, whether you do great on your finals or whether you do horrible on your finals, in this season, be thankful to the God whose steadfast love endures forever. Our words can't do it justice. He rescued us from our foes. From sin, he redeemed us. From the devil, he protects us. From the world, we are exiles, pilgrims passing through this earth to a destination that is far more glorious. His steadfast love endures forever. To him who gives food to all flesh, for his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, there's a conclusion to this, and the conclusion to this is we should be thankful. Last night, I sat holding my mother-in-law's hand as she struggled to breathe, down to 84 pounds, laying on a bed where she couldn't even move her arms, she couldn't roll over. Alzheimer had taken her. Some of you saw her sitting on this front row in chapel just last semester. She passed away about two hours ago. Friends, I'm telling you, there is nothing in life that matters more than the gospel of Jesus Christ. Your degree, the money, the fame, the accolades and all the athletics, do it. Have fun doing it. This was, this was a swimmer at the University of Auburn. She had athletic ability. Her mind was sharp. She loved people. And in the last moments of her life, we had to take a swab and dip it in water to put liquid on her lips because she couldn't hold a cup. Friends, in all of our pride, in all of our arrogance, in all that we think we are, we are nothing but dust, and to dust we will return. What matters is the gospel of Jesus Christ. What matters is that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. And the reason that I can stand up here right now is because I know that Kay is with Jesus and right now, she's not hurting. She is remembering everything she needs to remember. Friends, she is made whole and she is much better off than she ever has been. Friends, there's a day coming when God's gonna call me home. There's a day when I'm gonna sit on that bed and be helpless and do absolutely nothing. There's a day when the breath will stop. There's a day where I will not be able to proclaim the truth of God's word. That day is coming. So today, on the day when I can't proclaim it, I stand before you and say, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that died for you and his steadfast love endures forever. Oh, if we could just grasp it. 
Oh, if we could just live with the realization every single day. Friends, to all of you, there's a day coming where you will breathe no more. We don't last on this earth forever. We're not meant to. What are you gonna do with the breath you have? What are you gonna do with the days that are already numbered? Psalm 136 says they're already in his book. He already knows Friends, what are you going to do with them? Oh, friends, may it be that we use every breath the Lord gives us to proclaim the glory of the one true worthy God. Just before coming over here this morning, I had to tell my 11-year-old son that his grandma was dead. He burst into tears. Why? Because it's not right. Because there's a longing in our soul that there is something more. And friends, if you're in this room and you're not plugged in and you're not locked in and you're not leaning in, can I just plead with you to say to you there is an eternity awaiting that heaven is real and hell is real and these things matter. Lean in to the gospel. Lean in to the word. Lean in to what God wants you to do with your life. Don't be on that deathbed filled with regrets about what I wished I would have done. Friends, you are talented. God has gifted you. He's given you life and opportunity. Be good stewards. Don't waste your life. Go live it for his glory. Have a blast while you're doing it. Have fun with friends. Don't take them for granted. Give thanks for every day. But friends, proclaim the one true God. So two weeks and you're done. Most of you have to come back next semester. But two weeks and you're done with this semester. You're going home. Be thankful. You know, there's a point in my life where I would, I would worry about, okay, what if I share Jesus with somebody and they don't like it? What are they gonna think about me? You know what? I don't care what people think about me anymore. Share Jesus with everybody. If they think you're weird, they're probably right. <laughs> but one day when I'm standing before Jesus and I see that person, I'll have no regrets. Friend, I told you. Friend, I tried to compel you to come to Jesus. Friend, I, t- I tried to tell you to live for eternity. So I have application points, which, whatever. The application point for today is friends, be thankful. Don't take any of this for granted. God's given us a gift. Oh, and he loves us so much. He loves each of you so much more than you know. And he can do stuff through you that you can't even imagine. So friends, never forget the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. We love you. So does God. He does even more. You are loved. Oh God, you are a good God. Would you help that realization to sink in deeply to each one of us? God, would you be lifted up and praised in all of our lives and would you help us to be faithful and to proclaim your goodness, to proclaim that the steadfast love of the Lord endures forever. For Jesus' fame and in his name, amen. And you are dismissed.